All right, I'm here in my stable environment. <clears throat> Just couldn't leave it alone, could I? But hey, <clears throat> um, all right. That that poem you wrote that, didn't you? Yeah. I'm not too bright, but I know how to pick them. I'll tell you. That was great. I like it. <sighs> well, again, this ear's plugged. Going to the doctor again tomorrow. See what's going on with this thing. But um, so still, I still feel kind of off balance a little bit. So thank you for the prayers under your breath as we uh, as we move along here today. Praise the Lord. Well, the other night, uh, Rick mentioned the service that we had for uh, remembrance. Um, I think a very, very moving, very meaningful service uh, for those that have lost loved ones. Because it's tough this time of year, isn't it? But if we can give them a, just a little more sense of honor, um, then we can feel good about being happy and, and joyful and gathering with the rest of the family. But I had occasion the other night to speak briefly with a family in the community about our culture and our society today. Especially the older you are here, um, the more changes you've seen in your lifetime. And the stranger this world <laughs> feels, doesn't it? Um, from the way we grew up and, and things that were going on. Uh, where once there were blue laws that kept businesses closed on Sundays, right? Why? In honor of a day of worship. Uh, but now, according to a Gallup poll from March of last year, Less than half of the population in the U.S. belongs to any religious institution at all. Church, synagogue, mosque, anything. Like 40%, down from 70% in uh, the year 2000. Should we be bothered? Absolutely. Should we be surprised? Absolutely not. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verse 1 says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Are you saying, Pastor Ron, that we are in the last days? Well, a couple things on that. First of all, let's be clear. No man knows the day or the hour. Your pastor will never stand up here and say, on September 28th, you know, never going to happen, because that's what the Bible says. But are we seeing what we just read? Yeah. And Jesus himself said to look for signs, didn't he? said there'd be wars, rumors of wars, natural disasters, pestilences. Can we check that box? There's another one. And I find it very curious of late that our own president is throwing around the term Armageddon, um, which, biblically speaking, is not about a nuclear war in Ukraine, but a gathering of armies in the Middle East. Uh, Revelation 16, verse 12 says this, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Down to verse 16, And they assembled them 
at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. In October, uh, Reuters news service reported that in Syria, uh, levels at dams on the Euphrates have fallen by up to 15 feet, shrinking reservoirs and leaving farmers struggling to access the remaining water reserves. And the Middle East Monitor reported just this past Wednesday on Chinese President Xi's arrival in Saudi Arabia as an epoch-making visit to deepen economic and strategic ties. Interesting word, epoch, a point in history where time begins to move forward. Mark that point. Things that make you go, hmm, right? So at the very least, we need to be watchful. We need to be ready. And you know what I find interesting as I read the New Testament? Um, It appears that even in the first century, they thought that they were close to the second coming of Jesus. And if you read through history, you'll find that same sentiment in practically every generation since. And, And the inference that I get from the New Testament is this, that whether Jesus is coming back in our lifetime or not, we should be, number one, ready spiritually. And number two, living as though he was. That's that's what the New Testament seems to uh, indicate. In other words, if you and I were reasonably sure that Jesus was coming back in the next couple of years, how would we live our lives? What would our priorities be? And according to the New Testament, shouldn't that be the case anyway? I want to entitle the message this morning, Advent 2, the return. Advent 2, the return. As as I thought about the declines in our society just this week, uh, lamenting over some things that I had heard and things that we've seen as of recent, the Holy Spirit brought this verse to mind. Listen to these words from Peter, the apostle. 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning of verse 11, says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. As sojourners... And exiles, Peter says, the Greek words here are defined as foreigners and temporary residents. Think about that for a minute. He's he's asking us to adopt an attitude as people, no matter what country we live in, in this world. An attitude of being a foreigner, of being a temporary resident. Resident. First of all, if we've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we're new creations, aren't we? No longer simply human beings in darkness, but an incredible new 
kind of being. That, that word, the new creations, in, in the Greek speaks of something that hasn't existed before. A new creation, a new being that, not, that looks human on the outside, but a being that now carries the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside. An incredible, incredible change, right? In us dwells the Spirit of Almighty God. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You see it? Two, two kingdoms, one of light, one of darkness. We have been delivered out of the one and translated, transferred into a different kingdom with a different king and a whole different system of how things work, right? The, the kingdom of God is, is really kind of topsy-turvy. You want to be the greatest? Be the least. Right? You want to be the best? Be the servant. If, you're, if, you're, if your enemy you know, curses you, bless him. Feed him if he's hungry. You know, it's, it's topsy-turvy to the way this world system works. And we as, as natural human beings would think and would live. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, we are no longer, as, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, as, as those who have been born again, we are no longer citizens of this world, the Scripture declares. We are citizens of heaven. We live here, but we're foreigners. Temporary residents on this earth. Waiting for our eternal home in glory with Jesus forever. Biblical truth. And as I meditated on that scripture the Lord gave me, I thought, you know, the worse this world gets, the more we see these things, the more, the more this world doesn't look like the one we grew up in, right? The, the, the more we feel different from it, the more apart we are from it, the clearer it becomes that this world is not our home. And the opportunity then that it gives us to step back, look at the big picture, who we are, why we're here, and commit ourselves to live our lives as if there wasn't a whole lot of time left which in fact there may not be. So Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as foreigners, as temporary residents, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Right? We, we talked about that in just a past series here, the passions of the flesh, those, those inclinations, those natural inclinations uh, physically and emotionally that we go to, that we battle against, right? Those things that get us into trouble. <laughs> and instead, um, not focus on those as believers, but focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
as he gives us wisdom, as he gives us, and he, as he empowers us, right, to walk in the ways of God. But here, in the second part, he says, keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable. What should we be doing living in the last days? How should we be living as foreigners and temporary residents? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. In other words, give them no legitimate cause to call you unkind, rude, selfish, dishonest, arrogant, etc., etc., etc. Right? Keep our conduct honorable. Don't give anybody legitimate cause to point at us and say they are any of these things. Now notice what he says here, though. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, as followers of Christ, right, um, as followers of, of the biblical truths that you and I believe and the values we hold, those things in themselves will be offensive to the world around us. Can I get an amen on that? Right? You hold to what the Bible says, and we're labeled, aren't we? They will speak against us, as Peter said 2,000 years ago. They're going to do this. They're going to speak against you as an evildoer. They're going to call you a hater. Right? They're going to call you intolerant. They're going to say, you're trying to force your religion on everybody else. Is it happening? Yeah, it is. 2 Timothy 3, 12-14 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I think I told you uh, just, just a week or two ago, when uh, it, on, on the school grounds, when, when the wacky tacky was going back and forth and I decided I don't want to do that anymore and passed it on. Somebody said, what are you, too good for us now? Right? Why? Because my better behavior showed up their wrong behavior all the more. Right? It's going to happen. By trying to live a godly life, by trying to hold biblical values, by believing in the truths of Scripture, we're going to be labeled. But as for you, Timothy says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. There is an, a difficult trend going on around, in this country, other countries, of the church. So rather than to be labeled as a hater, rather than to um, be labeled as an evildoer, what do we need to do? We just need to acquiesce and we need to say, okay, I guess the Bible doesn't say that's wrong after all. And, and there's a, a shift to begin to just embrace the values of the world. That's not the way to do it. That is not the way for the church to stand out and be the light to the world. Right? So what, is, what does Paul say to Timothy? Continue in what you have learned. Don't let go of those values. Don't let go of those truths. Don't hit people over the head with them. Don't call them evil. Don't, don't you know, 
get down on people. No, what did Jesus do? The tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes, he loved them. He valued them, right? But he never let go of the truth. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. That needs to be our place. Not letting go of values, not changing our beliefs, not rewriting what the Bible, how it's translated. Hold on to what you believe. Continue in it, knowing from whom you've learned it. So there's no getting around that if we embrace biblical truth and live accordingly, it's going to happen. They called Jesus an evildoer, didn't they? He said, servant's not greater than the master. If they did this to me, they're going to do it to you. But was he in truth an evildoer? Absolutely not. All he wanted to do was save people from sin and reconcile them to God, right? He came, he gave his life. For us. So likewise, people are going to talk. They're going to say what they want. Just don't you and I give them a legitimate reason to do that. Right? Yeah. Rather, do what? Love. Serve. Treat unbelievers with value and respect. So that, so that, Paul says, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of a visitation. To me, this, this means two things. Um, either way, right, they will have to be honest in that day of visitation, in that day when Jesus comes back and say, this Christian was actually good to me. I called them this, I called them that, but in all actuality, they were there for me when, they need, when I needed them, or, or at least offered. They were kind to me. They were good to me. Right? Got to be honest. And that will glorify God, won't it? Absolutely. Or, even better, hopefully they'll be persuaded by our lives and the love of Jesus that we've shown them and the work of the Holy Spirit, and give their own lives to Jesus Christ so that when He comes, they will be a trophy unto Him. Right? Either way, our lives will have testified to the glory of God. Because this is our identity as followers of Christ, as Christians. Back up just a few verses in Peter and the Holy Spirit through Peter says this, but you, listen to these words. Get, let, let them sink in deeply into your heart. But you, but you, we see the world around us. We see how people act. We see what people are believing. We see what people are going for and all of this. But you, church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, God's own possession. They're mine, he says, right? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're chosen, set apart by God, 
Not, not, not that we're better than anybody else, you know, in that sense of, of valuing our fellow human beings on the earth. We're not better than anyone else. We've seen the light. We've been born again. We've been reconciled to God. We're chosen out of the world, out of darkness, and put into a different kingdom. We're the people of God. We're the children of God, right? We have a, we have a new destiny. We, 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 everything is new, right? All things become new. We are, as Philippians says, children of God without blemish in the midst of of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's our heritage. That's our identity. We're royal. Royal as God's children. We're princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. Sense of royalty, a sense of, uh, again, not, not entitlement and I'm better than anyone else. But in God's eyes, as his kids, not just, not just subjects in the kingdom of God. Princes, princesses, royal. a priesthood. We've talked about the priesthood. What was the job of the priest in, in accepting sacrifices and all, right? They were the go-between, between God and man. Let's bring man and God together. That's us. We are the priesthood to bring God and people together in reconciliation. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's our message, isn't it? Because of what Jesus did. Proclaiming the Lord's excellencies, our words and our lives, testifying to the excellencies of the Lord, His goodness, His mercy, His grace, his faithfulness, his wisdom, his power, his love expressed to us in so many ways. Right? You are the light of the world. Who we are, how we live, how we love, declaring the excellencies of God. That's the big picture, that's the priority. And the more that we see this world going south, the more that we see how is this, how is this belief, you know, going on, and, and people are, you know, just falling for this stuff, and, and just the divide. The more that we see that, the world turning from God and His ways. Hopefully, the more clearly we can see the big picture, grab a hold of that identity. We're not of this world. We are foreigners. We are temporary residents here. But why are we here? We're ambassadors from heaven. Royal priests to try to bring people and God together. We show them tangibly the love of Christ and implore them be reconciled to him. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. That's what it's all about. At Christmas and always. I don't know how much time we have left. You know, you look at some of these things, you go, man, it can't be a whole lot longer. But even if it is, shouldn't we live the same anyway? Amen.
Let's embrace our identity and our calling to hold on to biblical truth, values that we've held from the beginning, and walk in that calling to love and to be a light in this dark world. He is coming back. Are we ready? Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Help us to step back. Help us to see that big picture. Help us to see, Lord, that whenever you come back, the priorities, the values, the truths are still the same. Help us to live in that calling. Be that light that you've called us to. Live honorable before the rest of the world. Don't give them any cause to stumble over us on the road to you. Love and serve. That you might be glorified in it all. And as our heads are bowed, are you ready? What if he did come back tomorrow? Are you ready spiritually? Have you opened that door of your own heart to him? Do you know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven? That you've been adopted by God? That you're part of his chosen ones? If you're not sure that you're sure, it's not complicated. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open that door, hear my voice and open that door, I will come in. It's just a matter, some of you are hearing that even in this moment. Here, online, you're listening. You're hearing that knocking. Jesus says, I want to be your Savior. I I want you to be forgiven of all your sins. I want you to, to be a child of God. I want you to know me personally. And all the good things that I will bring into your life. Peace, joy, hope. Hope. Do you have a lot of hope in this world? No, because hope isn't in this world. It's in the one who created it. If that's you, you want to open that door. Again, it's not complicated. Just say, Jesus, I'm opening that door. I'm coming as a sinner in need of a Savior. I give you all my sin for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my penalty that I can be washed clean. And let me walk with you and know you all the days of my life. Jesus said, if you do that, he will come in. That's all there is to it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For your incredible love for us. We celebrate your birth, your coming at Christmas. And we will celebrate again when you come back to take us home. praise you. We give you the honor and the glory. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.
If you prayed that prayer, let open that door to him for the first time, let me know. Love to put a Bible in your hand and answer questions and anything else. Love to be here for you. And welcome to the greatest family on the face of the earth. Can I get an amen on that? Amen.